think the song says it. We live in a world where people know the deck has been stacked. There's injustice, there's hurt, there's pain. I spent yesterday morning with a friend in the hospital, a friend I love dearly, a friend who's been a part of a small group that I've been in for years. We had prayer before he went into surgery, not knowing if he would come out. I thank God that he did, but I thank God even more for the fact that if he had not come out, he had hope in Jesus. And because Jesus is alive, hope lives. Even though we live in a world that, for the most part, has lost hope. We live in a world that, that is kind of pretty much writing off even the prospects and possibilities of good things happening, justice taking place. Today, I want to go beyond the hopelessness. We've been talking about that through the month of March because today is Easter Sunday. And because Jesus lives, hope lives. And that's the focus today. I love the way Billy Graham said it. Our country lost a great voice for hope when Billy Graham went on to his reward. But, but just listen for a moment. Kind of soak it in. His, his overview of the world we live in right now. Here's what he said. Our world today so desperately hungers for hope, yet uncounted people have almost given up. There's despair and hopelessness on every hand. Let us be faithful in proclaiming the hope that is in Jesus. That's what we're going to do today. That's the message for those who are contemplating in the middle of the night, do I even want to live? I want to tell you that there is hope in Jesus because Jesus lives, hope lives. So today we're going to do that. We're going to proclaim the hope in Jesus Christ. And we're going to look together at some thoughts that if you pull them together into your heart and embrace them can make all the difference in the world. If you're going to follow along in your notes, let me ask you to write this down first of all. We've been talking about this, but Easter means hope lives because Jesus lives. Don't miss that. That's where this all starts. If the poet and songwriter is writing words to a song that project gloom and despair and hopelessness, and, and as in the case of Justice League, the world had lost hope because its hero, its savior, the man who had saved the world is dead. If the world looks at things around them and sees no hope, we who know hope have a responsibility to proclaim it from the mountaintop and to say Jesus lives. Now, if you're a skeptic today, no doubt in a crowd this size, this auditorium is full, it's okay that you're here. I'm glad you're here. Frankly, those who are willing to come and seek to discover whether or not there might be a grain of truth to what the Bible says, to what Jesus had to say, I have nothing but respect for you being here today. I want to make you an offer. 
I, I want to give you an opportunity, a absolutely nothing to lose offer for you, if you'll be open to this. Uh, there is a man, you may have heard his name, if you're a follower of Christ, you've seen his books before, The Case for Christ. Uh, Lee Strobel's is a a absolute defender of the faith. But what you may not know is when he began his journey, he was an atheist. And his first book, The Case for Christ, and some of his more recent books, one in particular, The Case for the Resurrection, his journey began as an attempt to disprove the claims of Jesus Christ. But as a journalist who was open and honest, the more he dug, the more he found out that what the Bible had to say was true, that history backed up the facts if you would only be open to considering them. So here is my offer for you today. If you're here as a skeptic today and you take what Jesus had to say Frankly, you maybe look at it and say, it's no different than uh, a DC comic book with Superman as a hero and the mythology of Thor or Odin. You pick it out throughout history that you have kind of classified Jesus in the same category as a myth and not true. My offer to you is this. If you will go out and if you'll download this book, The Case for, for Easter, it'll cost you $2, possibly tax. And if you'll read that, it'll take you less than one hour. And if you'll think about it and literally open your heart to possibly there being truth to the case for Easter, if you will do that, read it and ask God to show you and spend just seven days thinking about this and you come to the conclusion after reading the evidence and, and you want your money back, I'm going to make you an offer right now. You can't beat this. Pastor Jay, stand up. <laughs> he will give you your money back, okay? <laughs> we will give you the two bucks back. And, and, and that is a fact. Why? Because I just believe so strongly. I believe so strongly that, that if you read that one hour of your life, if you are a legitimate seeker or skeptic, I, I think the evidence is powerful and strong. The case for Easter, I believe, is irrefutable. And that's why I wanted to start with this idea that Easter means hope lives and Jesus lives. In your notes... I make a statement that, that's really kind of huge. On the first Easter morning, Jesus said, let me put that into better context for you. Prior to his crucifixion, Jesus had spoken to his followers and he told them what was going to happen before it happened. Now only God can do that. And he told them that he would be taken and crucified and he would die and he would remain buried for three days and then he would rise again. And so when his followers went to the grave where he had been laid, when they got there, there were two angels, two creatures, beings who appeared as men 
And, and that's what the scripture is, is talking about that, that we have here. And it's in Luke chapter 24, verse 5, the second part of that verse, in reference to what Jesus had said, they asked this question, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? Why, why are you looking for Jesus here? He said he wouldn't be here. He said he was going to come back to life. And that's a profound question. And, and I think, frankly, a lot of us in life spend too much time looking. Even if we're looking for the right thing, we're looking in the wrong place. Some just look for the wrong thing in the wrong place. But truly, I, I, I believe that this idea of looking is worthy of our consideration. That's why this next few weeks here, we're going to talk about looking for things that matter the most in life. But I think everybody here, whether they want to admit it or not, is looking for something. Some of you are here today, you're looking for help in your marriage. It's, you married this person, you loved each other. Nobody gets married, meets at the altar, exchanges vows, looks at each other longingly in each other's eyes. I've been there many times and tied the knot. Help people exchange vows. But, but nobody gets married and looks at that person and thinks, you know, down the road here, a couple years from now, I'm going to hate this person with a passion, with a hot hate, a hate so deep that I will despise them. Nobody, you know, okay, can I have the ring? Would you exchange these vows after me? I promise to hate your rotten guts. <laughs> nobody, nobody goes into it with that attitude or idea, and yet... What happens in our relationships? We, we miss something, and along the way we lose our way, and relationships become fractured. So I believe there are people here today, just statistically by the numbers of people who are here, there are people here today who are looking for help with their relationship. I'm here to tell you that because Jesus Christ lives, hope lives for your relationships. Everybody here is looking for something and God will help you find that. In fact, even more importantly, God will help give you purpose and show you even what to look for. I have a question, kind of follow up this idea here. The question is, why are people blind to the good news about Jesus? You know, I spent a lot of time, actually I've spent a lot of my life contemplating this. It's so hard for me to get my head around. Why, why so people, people are so blind why do they just disregard what Jesus has to say without giving it a, a fair hearing? Why would, frankly, uh, on the show The View, why would a Whoopi Goldberg refer to our Vice President, Pres Vice President Pence, because of his faith, because he, he not only prays and talks to God, but he, believe, he believes God speaks to him through this book we call the Bible. Why would she call him mentally ill? Why, why, why in the world we live in are people so incredibly, not just rejecting the truth, but hostile to the truth? The answer is simple. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Listen to what, what this passage says. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're blind. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, 
who is the exact likeness of God, they're blind. I, I can't hate someone who stumbles and falls because they're blind. I want to understand that they're blind. I want to know why they're doing what they're doing and why they reject Christ and all that God says is holy and good and pure. I want to understand why they think that way, but I can't hate them. You might be thinking today, my eyes are not closed, but I still don't buy this. I'm not spiritually blind. I'm actually a spiritual person. I, I want to challenge you today to be intellectually honest because you can be spiritually attached to the deceiver and not even realize it. You might have the blindfold on and you don't even know it. You might be clouded by falsehoods that have come at you 24-7 most of your life. I have a little math formula for you, and I want to just kind of explain to you what this means to me. Here's a, a simple math formula. If you go 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week, that's 168 hours. Now, if you sleep seven hours a night, that's 49. We'll round, round it off to 50 hours a week. Wouldn't you love to get 50 hours of sleep a week? And so the, the formula... One hour versus 167. We'll take 50 off, so that leaves 117. So here's the formula for you. Why do people believe what they believe? If you come to church every week, how many of you have been in church every Sunday? You have never missed one Sunday your entire life since the day you were born. Would you raise your hand? If you do, I'm going to call you a liar, okay? I can't say that. Maybe someone can. Good for you. But if you come to church every Sunday, one hour a week, you with me now? One hour, and you hear the truth. But the other 120 hours you're awake, you're hearing a dominant worldview that ridicules and mocks the name of Jesus Christ. You're hearing professors and teachers. I've been there. I had the fortune or misfortune, you can look at it any way you want to, uh, of having not just been to Bible college and seminary, but also secular university and graduate degrees. And, and I have been in the classroom when professors have made fun of those who believe in the name of Jesus Christ and who believe the Bible is true and the miracles of the Bible are true and the history of the Bible is true. It is the dominant worldview in academia right now. And if you have gone to secular state government run colleges, you know that is true. You might find a Christian every now and then and there are good Christian teachers in our public government schools, God bless them. But the dominant worldview is clear. It is a view that ridicules and mocks the very existence of God. And it's hostile. And it's angry. And it, it is something that you're up against in movies, in, in things that you watch on television, in, in, in virtually every aspect of our life, from academia to our entertainment. You're being told. So that's, that's what I'm talking about when I say one hour versus 167. 168 hours in the week, you're getting one hour of truth and the rest of it is what? It's ridiculing. 
what the Bible says. And so I'm going to push you a little bit more here on this. To honestly look at what you believe and ask the question. Drill down on this a little bit. Ask yourself the question. Could you maybe have missed something? Could you maybe have bought into something that just isn't true? Because it is the loudest voice. Today, I'm going to plead with you to give a fair hearing to the truth claims of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ came and said, I am God. I have come to die for you. I will pay for your sins. I will die for you. And after three days, I will conquer death. And because I have conquered death, Jesus proclaimed, we too can conquer death. <laughs> That's the best news anyone could tell you on an Easter Sunday morning. As dark and gloomy as the world, you know, everybody can say the world's going to hell on grease skids. But the truth is, that's not true if you know Jesus. Number two, let me give you a second thought here. Easter mean hope, means hope lives and your heart can be filled with love. I, I wish I had more time to talk about this, but I think we can all be honest and admit there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of hatred. Uh, I went out yesterday to pick up uh, something for today's Easter dinner and uh, traffic was a little bit heavy, and, and I was hoping to get into another lane, and I put my blinker on, and I, and I, I was kind of hoping somebody would let me over, and I kind of waved at the person, smiled very, and I thought, how cool, they're waving back at me, only they were waving with one finger sticking out. <laughs> and I thought, huh, I, I didn't understand that. Some of you are going to have to explain that to me later. But would you agree with me there's a lot of anger and hostility out there? Yes? A lot of people, a lot of hurting people, and as the saying goes, hurt people hurt other people. You've heard that before, haven't you? Hurting people hurt other people. Everybody knows the bad news. And really, you know, we, here it is Easter, and man, I want you to leave here with hope today. But at that very moment that someone decides that life is not worth living, that one brief moment when they can't find a reason to live, they have bought into what everybody claims they know, that there's nothing more to life than what you see, and if this is all there is, let's end the pain. But the truth is, death is the starting line for eternity, and you will live somewhere forever. Romans 5.5 5 says, and this hope, the hope we have in Christ, will not lead to disappointment. Now, I've been disappointed in people before, but I've never been disappointed in Jesus. For we know how dearly God loves us. Do you, do you hear that today? If you don't remember anything else, walk out of here today and say, I know God loves me because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. We, we all need to live with hearts filled with love. And the only way to do that is to let him pour that into us through his spirit. And we do that as we get into his word, as we let his word guide our thinking. The hope found in Jesus Christ will never disappoint you. We all need a healthy dose of that. You've got to allow that hope into your heart. 
Here's another question. Possibly the most important question anyone will ever ask you. What, what happens when someone calls on the name of Jesus for salvation? What happens? The, the, the miracle of Easter, the resurrection, Jesus dead, now alive, it makes possible our salvation. The Bible says we are all born sinners. We don't have the ability to save ourselves. Nobody can be good enough. We're all born spiritually dead, spiritually blind. I've been reading this to you. And our only hope is the power of Christ in us, his love coming into us, his Holy Spirit coming into us. Only Jesus has the power to really change us. Look at the next verse, 1 Corinthians 6, 11. Some of you were once like that. You know, if you had the time, go back and read this. This is a long list of of absolutely horrendous sins, things, awful things that people had done. And, and so Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, he says, so, you know, some of you guys used to do this stuff, but you were cleansed and you were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. In other words, accepting God's love through the forgiveness of Christ is a choice we make. And as a result, we become cleansed. When you receive Christ, you become forgiven. I don't know anybody here who hasn't messed up. We're all sinners. We've all made mistakes. And accepting the love of Christ is a choice. That's the second thing I want you to understand on Easter Sunday. The third thing is Easter. You can write this down so you don't forget it. Easter means hope lives because Jesus gives, here it is, sight to the spiritually blind. Jesus gives sight to the spiritually blind. The miracle of, G of Easter is not just that Jesus died and on Easter rose again and conquered death. That's huge. But there's more. Hope lives because Jesus continues to live. It didn't stop at his resurrection. He lives today to live within our heart because Jesus lives. He's able to give us spiritual sight. He's able to let us see the truth. Here's the next verse from John chapter 9, verse 39. Jesus said, I entered the world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see that they're blind. You see, our world is filled with people who think they can see, but they're really blind. You may be here today thinking, I got it all figured out. But if you haven't allowed Christ to open your eyes, you are spiritually blind. The God of this world, Satan, deceives people. He sells false ideas, and he's got it all going his way. Don't forget the formula, one hour versus 167. Satan is a deceiver, and he's leading people. He lies he offers gold, but it's fool's gold. And it results in people waking up feeling hopeless. Acts 26 verse 18 says, here's what it's all about. Here's the answer to hopelessness. Here's what God wants to do. He wants to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. I have one more question for you today. I hope you'll answer it personally. The question will force you to go beyond just this head knowledge of what you think you know about Jesus to really understanding how amazing he is. Here's this question. What happens? 
You see, to understand the positive, you've got to understand the negative. What happens to those who remain deceived and spiritually blind? I believe Scripture answers that question. And I want to give you right from Scripture, not my opinion, but what God's Word says. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10. Satan, here's what he does. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to, what's that word? Where are they going? Destruction. Because they refuse to love and accept the truth that will save them. What, what happens to those who reject the truth? They continue on this road to destruction. I want to give you one more kind of visual here to help you today. You know, God gets a bad, frankly, he gets a bad rap because the world says, ah, oh, you know, Christianity, it restricts you. There's things you can't do. I want you to understand if you know the truth today, you'll understand that everything God asks you not to do is something that will hurt you. And everything God wants you to do is something that will help you. Are you with me? In other words, the road of life, just kind of think with me here for a moment. The road of life has, think of it this way, has warning signs and caution signs and speed limit signs. And these signs are there to protect us. It has guardrails. I, I was traveling just recently, came upon a, a new two-lane exit that had a new set of concrete guardrails. And, and as you came up to that corner, a very sharp corner, you, you go from I-77 going 65, 75, 85, 95, however fast you're going, and you're flying down the road, and it says, you know, slow down. You know, reduce speed. And it ultimately takes you on the interstate down to 35 miles an hour. And on this new corner where the new guardrail is, you can see in the first few weeks of that being there, you can see scoured marks where cars have hit that corner going way too fast. In fact, there's already been one fatality accident on that corner. Do you know over a thousand people die every year in Ohio in car accidents? And by actual scientific data, you crunch the numbers, you can go online, and you can research this yourself, there is almost always, the vast majority of the time, a violation of some kind. And people don't listen to the guidelines that have been put there. And so they bounce off the guardrails. Guardrails are kind of like the last hope you have when you disregard the law. And, and here it is. I wanted to, to really get you to lock in on this. God loves you so much, he asks you at times to slow down. He tells you at times, don't, don't do this. Everything, you remember what I said, God asks you to do? Everything he asks you to do is for your good. Everything he says, don't do it, will injure you. And yet we live in a world, 167 hours a week, that's screaming at us, God doesn't know what he's doing. There is no God. Okay, you can believe in him, but, you know, at the end of the day, you still do what you want to do. And so we've been lied to by Satan, who is blinding the eyes of those who believe his lies. And the results are always the same. There's a crash. There's a fatality. And he steps back away. 
And he says, I got another one. Someone ends their life. Someone goes into a school and begins to kill others. All of this stuff that's happening in our world today is a result of hopelessness. And those of us who know God, those of us who genuinely believe there is a God and we have asked Christ to come into our life, we've been given a gift and that gift is spiritual sight. But you've got to get into his word. You've got to read. You've got to be a part of a small group to truly understand everything he has for you. Please hear me today. This issue of spiritual blindness is very real. I'm going to ask you to, to join me here real quickly. I want to do something. You, when you came in, you were given a simple piece of uh, ribbon. And I, would you get that out right now? Would everybody grab this? What, what I'd like you to do is, is please, just kind of don't worry about anybody else and what they're thinking. I know some of you are thinking, he's going to ask us to put that on, and you have no idea how much I paid to get this hair look I got right now. There's a lot of product up here. Please, join me in this. When you leave here in Easter Sunday service and somebody asks you, what did you learn today? I want you to, to remember something that can be life-changing for you and for others if you allow God to speak to your heart. I want you to remember this one thing, and that is the reality that when someone is born into this world, they are born into this world spiritually blind. And we're going to do our best to simulate that. Now, if you're not willing to do that, that's okay. At least close your eyes with me. But I'm going to ask everybody, when I count to three, one, two, three, and I say three, go ahead and do your best to strap this on and then just kind of clear your head and just kind of hold it for a moment. And I have a couple things I want to ask you. So would you do that right now? One, two, three. Let's go. Lock them on. Put them on if you would. We're trying to simulate spiritual blindness. What it, what it would be like to walk around with a blindfold on. I really want you to get this, and so I'm asking everybody, no, no peeking, close your eyes as well. I want you to clear your head, because I have a couple of questions for you. With your eyes closed, with the blindfold on right now, it, it sounds like such a, a simple question, but what do you see? The answer is simple, Nothing. The eyes of a person blindfolded or blind renders them unable to see the simplest of things. And here's where I want to follow it up with something that's very real and very tangible and something that I hope you allow God to speak to your heart and show you. Show you maybe something you weren't thinking about or show you something that maybe even before today you never fully realized before. But here it is. Could it be that some of the pain you're experiencing in this world is because you've ignored some of the road signs, God's road signs. Maybe you keep bouncing off the guardrails of life. You get a few dings, a few scrapes on the fender. And, and oftentimes, here it is, maybe your recklessness has hurt someone else. Please join me in this exercise. Just allow, allow God to speak to your heart. Because God's moral guardrails have been put there to protect us. And, and could it be that this fog, this blindness, this uncertainty, this lack of clarity, this lack of vision in your life 
has resulted in a lack of purpose in your life, lack of real meaning, and, and you go from weekend to weekend looking for the next high, the next moment of fun, but there's real no meaning or purpose. And so here it is. Are you spiritually blind? And maybe you're not even aware of it? Please hear me. This, this is a spiritual reality that we are born in sin. We are born spiritually blind. And all you have to do to stay blind is do nothing. Rejecting Christ and the truth of his word, it's a passive thing. You do nothing and you have rejected him. You were made on this road of life doomed without ability to see. But there is good news. You don't have to stay on that road. And now that you, you've felt the darkness, I'm going to ask you to join me together in, in unity because the good news is there is hope. You don't have to remain in darkness. You can choose to take the blindfold off. You can choose to see. You can choose to remove the blindfold. And so I'm going to count to three just like when we put them on, one, two, three. I'm going to count to three in just a moment. And all together, when I hit three, I want you to drop those blindfolds. I want you to choose to take them off. I want to encourage you today to ask God to show you if there is possibly spiritual darkness in your life. So all together right now, when we get to three, let's drop them. One, two, three. I'm going to invite you to do something. If you're here today and you've been born again, would you bow your heads quietly right now in prayer? Would you bow? I want to speak specifically to you. If you don't remember a time when you were born again, maybe it's clear to you now that according to Scripture, you're not any worse than anyone else, but you didn't bow your head because you can't remember a time, you can't remember a place, when you ask Jesus to save you and give you spiritual sight. Those of you with heads bowed, would you pray right now? Would you pray that you would live your life with your spiritual eyes wide open, that you would take heed and listen to the direction and the call of your Savior, that you would be more than just a Sunday morning Christian, one hour a week, but you would give him your life. And then finally, would you pray for those who are here today who don't know this peace and hope? If you couldn't bow your head because you, you don't remember a time when you dropped the blindfold, you, you're not sure that if you were to die, you'd go to heaven, I'm going to ask you now to bow your head, and I'm going to encourage you right now, just like we counted, one, two, three, I'm going to encourage you to acknowledge these three things before God. Would you first of all pray? If you don't know if you were to die, you'd go to heaven. If you don't know that you have a relationship with Jesus, but today you're ready to let him change your life. You believe in this resurrection power. Would you, number one, just whisper a prayer and say, God, I admit I'm a sinner. I admit it was my sin that put Jesus on the cross. See, that's, that should be the easiest part. Number two, listen carefully. Would you say with a heartfelt, in your own words, to God, that you believe in Jesus, you believe he came, he died, he rose again, 
and he lives right now, that he died for your sins. You've asked him to forgive you of your sins. You've admitted you're a sinner. Now say, I believe in you, and I want you to save me. That's the second thing. I know I'm a sinner. I believe in you. I want you to save me. And number three, you can't do this on your own. Would you whisper a prayer and say, Jesus, today, I want to follow you now. I want to walk in your sight. I want to do what makes you pleased in my life. I want to see and know the things that give me purpose and meaning, the things you've designed for me. I want to fulfill my purpose. If you're here today and you prayed, you and God, and you asked him to save you today, you just prayed and asked Jesus to forgive you, and you've asked Jesus Christ to come in your life. According to the Bible, the Bible says, if anyone will call upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. According to Scripture, when you pray that prayer in sincerity of heart and ask Christ to come into your life, he does what he said he would. He gives you eternal life. Heads about, no one's looking around. This is our closing moment of the service. But you're here today and you came in not sure but according to Scripture, it's not because Ed says so, it's because the Bible says that you can know you have eternal life if you've asked Him to save you. You want a relationship with Him. You want to follow Him. And today, you prayed and asked Him to save you. Heads are bowed. And you want to give your first testimony to that, to God. I want to give you a chance to do that right now. Heads are bowed. No one else is looking around. Between you, me, and God, would you raise your hand toward heaven? Just hold it up high and say, I asked Jesus to save me today. Just hold it up high. God bless you. Yep, yep. A couple of whole families. God bless you. Lord, speak to our hearts today. Help us to leave here with hope and confidence. To be at peace knowing that the bad things that happen in this world, God, you know all about it. You care. And that we who are your children of light, we are to take hope and peace to this world. That we are to represent you well and bring encouragement to the brokenhearted. So Lord, help us as a church family, as a community, to care enough about others, to offer hope. To live Jesus as we follow you as your representatives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And all God's people said... Thank you for listening today. We hope your heart was inspired. For more information or directions, visit us at abt316.com.